The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Hello everyone and welcome to the Provoke podcast. I'm Maya Pavinska-Sims, the EMEA editor at Provoke and I'm joined today by Rachel Friend. Rachel, as many of you will know, is the brand new shiny chair of the PRCA in the UK, taking on the reins from Fleischmann Hillard's Jim Donaldson and she's also settling into a new role as chief exec of W Communications um, after leaving Weber Shamwick in London at the start of the year where she'd been for nearly a decade, latterly as UK CEO. Early in her career, Rachel was the consumer MD at Helen Alton, and she's also worked in-house at Sainsbury's as head of consumer there. Rachel, welcome to the Provoke podcast. Thanks, Maris. Lovely to talk to you. It's lovely to talk to you too. How are you and the family doing in this kind of weird limbo-ish, not quite lockdown state? You know, we're doing fine. I, uh, fine is a great word to be using, I think. <laughs> um, I have two fine. girls, as you know, one 16, one 13, oh, just turned 14, actually. So... Uh, one of them's got over the um, trauma of GCSEs being cancelled um, and has gone straight into A-levels. Um, and the other one is doing fine. And my husband is a TV producer on the World Tennis Tour. So he's been at home quite a lot recently. Yeah. Well, I, none of that's around. Um, not a lot of tennis going on. Not, well, yeah, a little bit starting up again, which is great. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's been a funny old year for sure. I'm not alone in saying that. No, you're not. It has been very weird. Um, we know each other pretty well after my years at Weber Shamwick. Um, but I don't think, one thing I don't think I've ever asked you is how you actually got into PR in the first place. Ah, so, um, uh, well, I did that classic route of um, studying classics at university. So if you'd like me to speak in Latin, I can do that. I did Latin A-level. Nobody's ever learned Latin that I know. That's really cool. We should, we, we, could, we could continue this in Latin, but let's that's, not. That's something that you <laughs> pick up on um so it's not the classic route into PR I don't think um but I was brought up by a journalist dad actually so um around the house uh, right throughout growing up um it was a house full of newspapers and even when I got to university I can remember my girlfriends doing the Cosmo quizzes of what man should you go out with and I was busy reading the business section of the Sunday Times so I was probably quite boring um but I've always been fascinated by the way that media influences um people behavior um, and so when I came out of university, um, my first sort of proper job after a little bit of temping was at Hill and Alton. Um, and I came in right at the bottom. So I wanted to get into the industry, um, but that degree in classics didn't really um, set me up for too much. So I actually started as a PA to the creative director at Hill and Alton. Oh. Um, and I've literally worked my way up through, I think, pretty much every position in a PR firm, um, you know, right through AE. AM, okay, you know, all the way through. Um, so I've, uh, I feel like I got my head down. I worked hard. Um, I was pretty inspired when I got to Hill and Alton because I looked up and half the board were women, which, you know, back in the 90s, that was, that was quite unusual. So I knew that if, if I got my head down and worked hard, there, there shouldn't be a glass ceiling. Um, and, you know, tr true to that, you know, my career has um, you know, blossomed. Um, uh, and, and that's why I think I've been a massive champion of making sure that everybody does have an equal opportunity and can reach their full potential. Well, yeah, I've seen that firsthand and I know what a grafter you are. Um, given all of that, running an agency is, is a full-time job as well as having the family. Um, congrats on your new post as PRCA chair. You're, you're pretty busy. Why have you taken on this role? Um, I um, joined the PRCA about five years ago um, and 
Um, I just think that our industry is, um, is important actually and um, we can make a huge difference to society and it's really important that we come together um, and are represented well and that we also have good dialogue going on within our industry to help support one another. Um, uh, something that you know about me because we've worked together for a long time is I'm a massive believer in collaboration. Um, I've sat around that PRCA board table many times and made really good friends with a lot of other industry leaders. Um, there's a lot to do and there's a lot to change um, within the industry but I do believe that if we come together the power of coming together um, uh, can affect change more quickly than trying to do that individually. So I'm a massive believer in the PRCA. Um, I feel very honoured to have been asked by Francis Singham to take up the role so I'm excited to to, you know crack on with the job okay uh it's 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 a pretty big job what are your priorities going to be what are you going to continue from jim's tenure in terms of his focus and what are your own areas of passion so Jim is, um, you know, really vocal and passionate about um, wanting to um, address issues around diversity, equity and inclusion and mental health. And I want to continue to support on the great work that's been started there. Um, and I also want to encourage our industry to harness creativity to make a positive impact as a force for good in the world. Um, and let, I'll take you through some, some of that work. Uh, just before I go into those priorities, as I said, um, the way that I want to lead is that I really do believe in collaboration across the industry. And as I said to you, anybody who knows me knows that I'm a massive collaborator at heart. I think one of the things that I was proud of through lockdown was the immediate response of the PRCA and, and I worked very closely with um, Tony Langham and with Rob Cartwright and many people across the globe to set up the PRCA COVID-19 response task force where we got 100 agency leaders globally volunteering to offer free confidential consultancy service for other agency leaders and in-house um, who may have been you know not really knowing what the first next steps were in in the crisis um, and helping our members globally nav navigate the uncharted waters so i want to apply that same level of partnership and collaboration to tackle some of our biggest challenges so when i come in and talk about the the challenges i think it's up to us to to come together as an industry not just in the uk but globally and see how we can affect change mm. um, and actually you know hold ourselves accountable you know our role is to challenge and agitate and create change and then hold ourselves accountable track our progress and have honesty and debate with each other you know we won't get everything right first time and sometimes we'll take a wrong step but it's it's good to it's better to take a step than not take a step i believe absolutely and how's the, is the task force still going uh, so it was set up, um, I think back in uh, March, April time. Through that period, we set up, as I say, a number of consultancy um, uh, free one-to-ones, and we also set up a number of um, webinars and panel discussions. That's now, we, we've sort of turned into business as usual. Um, so the PRCA has then taken that on rather than it being an emergency response, it's now gone into sort of the business as usual of, of the PRCA. But as I say, it was set up globally, and there were partnerships right across different industry um organizations across the globe and there were some really senior i mean you've named a few of them there's some really senior people weren't there from across the industry right, who really stepped up straight away and you know like you said that is the power of a a strong trade body i guess yeah i completely agree and i, I was yeah it was it was Wonderful. I, I, I found myself in charge of setting up webinars and panel discussions. <laughs> and, um, you know, you, you put a call out into the industry and so many people put their 
hands up and said, yeah, I'll, I'll help with that and I'll be on your panel discussion. Um, and you know, people were giving up the time for free to offer free advice. I, I just think you know, what, what an extraordinary generous gesture that is um, when people were peddling hard beneath the surface to make the changes they needed to, to, you know, not just survive, but, you know, hopefully come out of it and thrive. Well, see, we've still got a bit of a longer way to go than I think anyone's anticipating back in April. But um, uh, the industry seems remarkably optimistic. Is that the is that the impression you get? I am um, encouraged by the agility of our industry um, and the pace at which we've been able to make change. I know that you know, we've all got friends in the wider marketing communications uh, world and potentially other industries have found it harder to adjust. I just think the way that we've um, pivoted, adjusted um, and changed, you know, the, the services that we've provided has actually stood us in really good stead. Mm. Um, so I know it's been a really tough year, but um, I, was, I was reading some industry reports recently and, and, you know, while it's interesting to note that maybe a fifth of people are thinking that they'll downsize, that downsize their offices, about 90% say they'll still keep their offices and um, over half think that future workforces will actually be bigger. So, you know, there's clearly optimism about our future. And obviously we're going to change the way that we're going to be working, but there is optimism about, you know, where, where we've managed to get to in the last six months and then what the future holds. Mm. Yeah, and I would agree with you. It's, it's, it's incredible how quick the, the industry has really adjusted. Yeah. Um, tell, me, tell me a bit more about your two priorities there, the mental health and the creativity. Yeah, okay. So, um, well, let me start actually, because it, it's probably continuing a little bit with what uh, Jim started with the diversity, equity and inclusion. So. Um, when I was working as the vice chair, I did work really close with Francis Ingham and Jim Donaldson to encourage the changes at the board um, and the establishment of the Race and Ethnicity Equity Board. Um, and I am delighted to welcome new PRCA board members, Barbara Phillips, Kamik Pierce, Rumi Shah, Raksakani and Tanya Joseph, who have recently joined the board. Um, I'm, I'm working closely as I can with Barbara and I share her ambitions to agitate and make change. Um, I'm not here just to support Barbara and Reeve's agenda. I actually really want to work closely together to affect change. And there's a lot to be done and I'm rolling up my sleeves. Barbara and I have had a few conversations now. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I'm here to be a part of that change, not to just, you know, cheerlead from the side. So I also want to make sure that we're collaborating with other um, others across the industry who are doing great work. And I know Barbara is reaching out to people across the industry to help us to do that. So... That, that's, um, you know, continuing the great work that has, has been started. As I say, I think there's still quite a lot to do. Um, just in terms amazing, isn't she? She's, she's a real force of nature. I can't imagine anyone saying no to her. Correct. <laughs> she's amazing. She's amazing. And, um, you know, she is passionate about affecting change. And um, that's what we need. Um, so I'm, I'm so thrilled to be partnering with her. Um, the other area, as I say, that, that Jim really starts that I want to make sure we continue on is around mental health. So, you know, it's been well documented in our industry that one of the greatest challenges that we face is high levels of stress. 
Um, and I guess with changing work patterns, we've really got to make sure that mental health continues to be a priority. Um, some people are introverts, some people are extroverts, some people like working on their own, other people absolutely thrive by having other people around them. I would say I'm in the latter, that's for sure. Um, and so, you know, it's the job of the PRCA to, um, you know, raise awareness, um, even you know, last uh, the weekend it was World Mental Health Day, and um, that's coincided with the publishing of the PRCA's latest um, research with opinion. Um, the PRCA does do a great amount of work of um, raising issues, but the other thing I think it's brilliant at is um, helping to find the solutions. So um, uh, they run really regular events and are continually updating the mental health toolkit. Um, I have it on good authority from um, my friends at PRCA that it's a really um, popular resource. And in fact, the toolkit's had over 20,000 views. And that, make, that really encourages me because that makes me know that our members are going on there looking at the toolkit and I, I would imagine are then applying that back into their agencies and their in-house teams. So it's so important that we, um, as I say, in the, in the changing workforce and the changing patterns of working, that we make sure that remains at the top of one of our, our lists, if we can. Absolutely. That, that survey last week, I did quite a long story on it and really kind of dug into some of the, I mean, there's, there's, there is a lot of work to do, but it does feel like that taboo as, uh, has been eroded relatively rapidly, actually, over the past couple of years of talking about mental health at work. I mean, I would agree with you. Um, and I think there's, there's been real um, leadership in that from um, agency leaders, from in-house leaders, and even just, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the PRCA had Alistair Campbell do a talk. You know, that it's, 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 it's widely recognised within the world that mental health is something that we ought to be talking about. Um, like you, I've got children and, and mental health is something we talk about a lot at home as well. Yeah. Um, and that's been particularly prevalent through lockdown. My children were out of school for, you know, four or five months. Um, and even the school were brilliant at making sure that we as parents were engaging. And I think, we, you know, parents and employers, everybody has a responsibility to make sure that everybody is in good shape. Mm. And uh, creativity. Yes. This has come up uh, as, a, uh, as an, a, an agenda item, really, for the PRCA before, I don't think. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I worked really closely with um, Jim Donaldson and Francis on was the PRCA National Conference. Um, agenda um, and so much of that was based around um, and looking at how PR can be a positive force for good and harnessing creativity to do that. Um, I, I feel really fortunate in my career because um, last year I was a CAN PR juror and I was the president of um, the PR jury at Eurobest um, and I, I just saw firsthand how um, creative talent can really be unleashed to affect positive change. Um, and I, ju I just feel like if there was ever a time for us to step up and make that positive change in the world, it's now. We've heard from brilliant comms leaders, we've heard from brilliant agency um, heads talking on many platforms and many stages about the opportunity and, and it's right here and it's right now. Um, so I, and, and you know, even joining this agency, creativity runs through the heart of this agency, but it's, it's, the camp, it's the campaigns where you really feel like you are making a positive impact on the world that makes clients happy, it um, changes behavior, it changes attitudes of the audience you're trying to reach. It also makes you feel brilliant, whether you're in-house or in an agency, that you're actually doing something that can affect positive change in the world. So 
um, you know, with the backdrop of so many strange things going on in the world, our industry has a brilliant opportunity ahead of it, I think. Oh, I totally agree with you. And it's so inspiring when you see that global creative work, isn't it? Uh, the, the, from an earned um, background at Cannes and at Eurobest. And it really does, I've, I've always thought that's one of the most valuable things about the festival, which I think everyone missed this year, uh, other than those who loathe Cannes Lions, obviously. But <laughs> I think that's one of the most valuable things, particularly for younger members of the team. It's like WebWeb was always really good at taking junior people to the festivals and letting them see all that inspiring stuff from around the world firsthand and re immersing yourself in it is just so valuable isn't it couldn't agree more and if you're if your organization is lucky enough to be able to take some juniors then you should definitely do that but if you can't do that you know there are um archives that you can go into there you know i, I think one of the greatest priorities of anybody who either goes to Cannes or is engaged with Cannes and Eurobest is to play that work back to people um, back at back at the ranch. Um, you'll remember I have done uh, many times um, uh, um, agency immersion in Cannes, Uncanned and, and that sort of stuff. And it, it, going, going to work and looking at it and really unpicking it is really important to be able to um, nourish your own creative skills um, and see what other people are doing and learn from what other people are doing. So yeah, I think that I completely agree with you. I think that's exactly the role of festivals is to bring people together. And also there's just fantastic panel discussions that happen, um, you know, whether they're on the main stage or whether they're in, in side panels. So, um, you know, I, I know we've all gone virtual and in fact, sometimes it can give you a great, greater opportunity to see these scenes because you can record them and look at them at your leisure rather than feeling like you're missing out running from one thing to the next in 30 degrees heat. Yes, yes, I didn't miss that, I have to admit. <laughs> and, and talking about creativity, you've moved to head up arguably one of the most, unarguably, one of the most creative agencies in the UK and beyond W. How's the new job going? Um, I'm four months in Maya and I'm absolutely loving it. Um, <laughs> I feel so... I, I feel so privileged to have been asked to come and join this agency. Um, it's, I, I've watched this agency grow from a distance. Um, I have watched some of my own team um, in my agency come to W and, and join it and they've loved it here. Um, the agency is in really great shape. Um, it's already back to pre-COVID levels of revenue. Oh, wow. um, our revenue and profits are up year on year. Um, yeah, I've got to thank you because uh, uh, literally I joined on the 1st of July and I think that first week the agency won um, EMEA Consumer Agency of the Year at the Sabres. Thank you, Maya. Thank you to everybody <laughs> in your organisation. Um, and we've been shortlisted um, uh, for the Global Consumer Agency of the Year at the Sabres as well. Um, and it just, you know, last year, um, this was named as one of PR Week's agencies of the decade. It's only been going for a decade. Um, you know, so it is in phenomenal shape. Um, and um, I, as I say, I'd sort of, I'd known Warren from afar, I'd admired him in the industry, um, but when I met him in the last sort of six months, I was just blown away by his passion and his energy and his unbelievably um, entrepreneurial approach um, to business. Um, and I just feel really, really fortunate because he's assembled a team here that share his ambition and they really come together with this uncompromising focus on creative work. Um, I've never been in an organization where there is more focus on creativity. Um, we probably come together 
five, six, seven times a week, looking at work, looking at new business stuff that, that's going through, looking at client campaigns, seeing how they can be improved from a creative perspective. Um, it's, it's so refreshing. Um, and you know, creativity, it runs through the core of the agency. It's got a history of winning Canline um, awards, even this year, um, just taking some of the work that's been shortlisted for the awards programs. Uh, whether that's from things like the store of modern childhood for the children's society through to um, we've done a campaign called um, women in engineering for Jaguar Land Rover. Um, it, this agency is really harnessing um, the power of creativity to drive positive change, as well as just doing great subversive work for the likes of Unilever. The, this, these, these guys are responsible for some of the amazing Marmite work and Lynx work, um, which you know is, is so famous out there. So you know, it, 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 it's totally at the core of the agency, which is brilliant. Um, and it's, you know, it's just really nice for me to work very closely with Warren. Um, looking at the future strategy of the agency and to develop our ambitious growth plans. What's the, what are the big differences for you between running a networked office and an independent agency? Um, I've got to tell you that I have loved my time at networked agencies. Um, you know, I spent a huge amount of time in them and um, I haven't got a bad word to say about being in a networked agency. I, I, I genuinely adored my time. And you, you saw that in action when you were with us at Weber. Yeah. Um, I guess the difference is um, working very closely with the founder and owner of an agency. So as I say, Warren is so highly entrepreneurial. Um, there is a real ethos in here of move fast and break things, fail fast. Um, you know, the pace of decisions that we, that we take and um, that there is a, a, a sort of a way of working here, which is let, let's back something, see how it works, give it two to three months. If it works great, if it doesn't, let's not do it. And actually that's so entrepreneurial and refreshing. Um, and um, I, I, by the way, I'm not saying that networked agencies don't do that. I just think it's super heightened when you're in um, an independent agency. Um, and it's just very, very refreshing. The other, the other thing is um, I feel that this agency, um, uh, this is my only experience of an independent agency, so I can't speak for all of them. But um, there's just a we'll do it our way way of thinking. So if I take... Um, diversity and inclusion, for example, and um, social mobility. So one of the massive standout factors for me joining the agency wasn't just that it's an amazing agency with creativity at the heart, but that actually um, it is trying to address um, the lack of social mobility within our industry. So, um, and, and this is classic um, founder-led entrepreneurialism. So, um, Warren was hugely frustrated by the lack of movement in the industry on social mobility. And so back in the beginning of 2019, he invested a six figure sum to launch WX, which is a social enterprise part of W Communications, but it's a social enterprise um, with a pur its purpose to attract and develop young people, very often bypassed by traditional routes into the communications industry and um you know there's nothing like it to date and and um it's carving its own path and um so over the last sort of 18 months two years wx is basically built on three core offers it's an agency within an agency so we offer paid 
scholarships and ongoing mentorships to young people aged 18 to 21 with basic education and the ambition to come into our industry. Um, and they come in, they are mentored by senior people here at W, they gain practical work experience across client projects, um, and so, so they actually work on client business while they're here, um, to a point where one of our WXs uh, was able to develop a fantastic campaign for one of our Unilever brands, which came to fruition. And uh, the, mostly you won't get that in an internship or a scholarship uh, between the ages of 18 and 21. Um, they, are, they are three to six month scholarships um, and uh, previous graduates of the programme have gone into um, great careers, um, including Island Records. Some have gone into um, production, photography, content creation, some have gone to university and it just it raises the aspiration of people um, who maybe wouldn't consider coming into this industry so th there's that part of it we offer a, a massive training program so we offer workshops um, to excite people from um, different backgrounds and we we pre-covid we were going to primary schools as well as school leavers to just give people an understanding of this is an industry where you can actually have a career because very often young people don't know anything about this industry that's one of the big barriers to coming in um, and so we we go into schools and colleges um, and you know when we can start going back into schools and colleges i'm hoping we'll be able to pick that up again um, and then the other thing is that we're doing is we're bu building out a network of um, breakthrough businesses who we can partner with um, so whether they are young entrepreneurial businesses who might have um, a benefit for our clients and we're just in the process of negotiating a couple of partnerships to start that program at the moment so I can share some of that with you sort of in the next two to three months but it's a just it's a really different way of approaching how do we tackle the lack of social mobility within our industry and it's you know I know there's been loads of programs that lots of agencies have done in the past but coming to an independent agency like this you just look at it and you go that's absolutely brilliant what a refreshing way of trying to tackle the challenges that we're facing and i think that's what i love about coming to an independent agency it's it's super cool isn't it though it's just that, that socioeconomic piece not because school kids not understanding pr and comms i mean and uh, Warren has basically just gone, well, let's stop talking about it and do something, which is, right. <laughs> which is pretty okay. I, I feel like you might have been in the room when he said it. <laughs> That's yeah. Exactly it. yeah. I know him a little bit. I am, I am aware of the energy and drive he has to move things forward. And when he decides to do something, he just goes, you know, full pelt at it. So I can, I can quite see that that's, that's um, really invigorating for you. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And, um, uh, I love working with people who are energetic, full of ideas, challenge. Um, you, again, you'll know, cause I've, I've often surrounded myself with people like that in previous roles. And I just feel like I've got it in spades in this, in this company and particularly led by Warren. So, um, no day, no two days are the same in here. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> it's super fast paced, but you know, I, I, I would be bored in anything, anything less than that. So I, I'm absolutely loving it. What's it been like kind of taking on this role, a new leadership role in lockdown, managing the team remotely? Has that, that been a weird experience? So I, again, I'm the luckiest person in the world. So I joined on the 1st of July and we opened the office on the 1st of July. Oh. So, yeah. 
I know. Look at that again, being independent and different, right? So um, uh, we have since then had a hybrid model of working. Um, and um, we've basically had teams come in um, on a voluntary basis, um, three days a week. Um, and we, we've got people coming in in teams, which is excellent. So, you know, you can have whole teams come in according to um, keeping to government guidelines on capacity and spacing and social distancing that we've got in the office. But actually, it's just been a huge advantage. I've got to know everybody in the agency really quickly because I've met them all. I remember my first sort of two or three weeks, I met most of them on Zoom and then everyone started coming back to the office. Um, and it was just so nice to meet them properly and see them. So we've um, developed a really great hybrid way of working. Um, so we can, we've got technology upgrades have helped us to um, have meeting rooms now where we are socially distanced and spaced, but able to have big screens with people on Zooms that can join us as well at the same time. But what's so lovely about it is that it's just a really good shortcut to get to client work and particularly around new business as well. Um, you'll know it when we're working on new business pitches, we, that energy that you need in a new business pitch team um, often comes from being in the room face to face, just you know, hearing someone start to say a sentence that maybe on Zoom you might not be able to pick up quite so quickly and acting on it. So it's been great from that perspective. Um, the other thing I'd say is um, it's been really good for mental health. So, you know, just as um, everybody was really starting to come back to the office, we had announcements from the government two or three weeks ago, and we had so many people in the office say, please, I don't want to be sent home. I don't think I can bear to work in my bedroom five days a week again. Um, and particularly when we've got a younger workforce, that's so important. Yeah. I, had, I had one person say to me, I need human interaction. I need human contact. Um, and so, as I say, it's, we're not forcing anybody to come to the office, but there's a large number of people who do come to the office on very many days through the week. So it's probably made my job as coming in as a CEO much easier. Um, we do do loads of things. So we have you know, a company meeting on a Monday morning. We have, a, we, we have lot, lots of interaction and making sure that's all done over Zoom so everybody uh, can interact. Um, but yeah, certainly hybrid working has made it easier. And um, what kind of shape, I mean, you, you know, that we've looked at that you have an umbrella view via the PRCA role and, and getting really stuck in at the, at the start of the, the industry's response to the pandemic globally. What kind of shape do you think the industry is in, in now broadly? We've talked about optimism, but where, where do you think it's going post this uh, very weird year? <laughs> um, I think it's been a really tough year that's for sure and I and and I don't underestimate that by the way um, whilst I am a glass half full person um, I don't underestimate the real challenges that people have faced and the really tough decisions that people have had to make and the impact and the fallout of that um, and that's changed agencies and in-house team structures and it's also changed people's career paths and I know some people are now looking at you know what might be next for them so I don't take any of that lightly at all um, but I do think that we are a resilient industry um, I think that um, some people might think that uh, the corporate and employee engagement and ESG type work is thriving i would agree with that um, um, and i think that we've got much better 
routes now into the C-suite than we really ever had. I think we were always good at going into CEOs, CMOs, CCOs, but I think the changes that are going on in the world around us and our role to play within that has, has heightened that opportunity to talk to very senior people in organizations as they're trying to you know, define their purpose, define what impact they're going to make on the world, maybe change their um, distribution models, you know, from through uh, traditional routes, maybe now direct to consumer, um, engaging employees through those changes. Um, our industry is so well placed to help and navigate organizations through that so um, while I think we've faced a huge amount of challenges um, I think that the broad spectrum of PR whether that's through corporate public affairs consumer b2b employee engagement um, I, I think all of those can still continue to thrive I just think each part of the of our industry has maybe had to change a little bit um, to make it um, uh, COVID resilient and and future proofing our clients businesses going forward yeah there's a huge role to play for all those areas what do you think the industry's biggest opportunities and challenges are going forward um i definitely think that it, we are uniquely placed to connect to all stakeholders internally and externally and we've got a massive opportunity uh, to advise businesses to understand their purpose and their contribution to society um, and the role that they can play. So I, I think it's amazing that at the beginning of this year, there was some talk of ESG. I think it's absolutely come to the fore through, yeah. through the crisis. Um, and um, I'm really heartened by that, actually. I feel like purpose has grown up and there, it is you know, much more of a data-informed uh, you know, impacts that can be measured um, that can affect, you know, reputation and bottom line now. And I think that our industry is so well placed to help advise um, clients to do that. And, and so if you can develop a really robust purpose um, strategy around ESG, then I think, you know, whichever audience you're going out to, to, um, to engage, therefore there's, there's a role for the entire um, full service of PR, isn't there? From, as I say, from corporate through to consumer and everything in between. What about challenges? Um, I think it's just making sure that we are fleet of foot and agile. And I think if any, if anybody's learned that in the last six months, it's our industry. Yeah. Um, you know, having 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 worked in quite a stable environment for quite a long time, where you might write a year-long plan. Um, that year-long plan feels very outdated now. Um, it feels like you should probably have a strategy for the year, but you absolutely need to be checking in on your plan every month and reviewing every month and particularly reviewing every quarter, what's working, what's not. Um, so it, I think it's a challenge for our industry to make sure that we stay nimble and agile um, so that we don't fall down any bear traps. Mm. Yeah, yeah, we like. Uh, I feel like we've all had enough bear traps this year mm. for the full table. <laughs> what are you most proud of about the public relations industry? Um, I, f I feel like um, our industry in the last four or five years has really grown up and is, I keep saying it, trying making a positive impact. Mm. Um, I also, um, I feel like we have come together as an industry much better. And whether that's through things like um, the PRCA, 
but also whether that's through things like um, women in PR or mentoring programs or uh, coming together as jurors at Cannes and Eurobest and that sort of thing. I feel like there's much more um, discussion and shared beliefs and collaboration and support for each other as an industry than there was in the previous sort of five to ten years. And may, maybe we have become, um, as I say, more of a community that is trying to make the industry better and support one another rather than, of course, we pitch against each other and we're fiercely competitive and we always want to win. But there just seems to be a more collaborative, collegiate um, way of doing business now than I think there was in previous years. And, and I love that about our industry. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's one of the things I love most about, you know, London's very much at the centre of my beat. And one of the things I absolutely love about, and that I think everyone's really missing, is that networking bit where you just have really serendipitous, interesting conversations. And the industry is not, no one's out to shaft each other. They're actually looking out for each other. And it's, it's, it's really quite special when you I, see how closely competitors actually work together and support each other, especially through the tough times we've all been through this year. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, I'm sure you're the, Maya, you're such a great connector of people in our industry as well. So I think that we, a lot of people have reached out to each other and just checked in and gone, hey, are you all right? Um, you know, should we have a coffee over Zoom or a glass of wine maybe? Um, and, you know, just checking in with one another. Um, it, it's important, you know, we all want our industry to thrive and um, we can all make that happen. But let's do it in a positive way where we're supporting each other rather than out to, um, you know, as you say, um, do it in a negative way. I, I don't think that's the way our, our, our industry should be going. No. Um, what, I asked what you're most proud of, proud of about the industry. What are you most proud of in your career? What really kind of gets you up in the morning? Um, and you do have to talk about yourself. I know you hate talking about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I do hate talking about myself. Um, what gets me up in the morning? Um, I think I love, I love it when um, you have a challenging conversation with a client where you can spot where there might be a big opportunity for them and that maybe hasn't been spotted before um so that's that sort of disruptive um partner partnership between agency and clients i, I love that yeah. i think some of my best work has come out of having an honest conversation with the client saying i'm not sure what we're doing is working why don't we think about it this way and all going in a direction that takes us that way i, I really thrive on that mm -hmm. um i think i'm the same with um my teams as well um i I've, i'm a big believer in um empowering people to be you know the best that they can be and trying not to micromanage too much so giving people the freedom and and then really backing them um, so that they can stretch their legs and and be the best i feel like i was given two or three big career breaks in my in my um now lengthy career and it's because somebody said i think you can do this job and i'm going to back you and um i'll always be in your camp but i'll be a sort of a critical friend to you i love that style of management so uh, that really gets me out of bed and seeing people thrive um i really love that yeah yeah i know i've seen it firsthand <laughs> um, I, do, I don't i hesitate to say what do you do in your spare time because you you clearly do not have any but what do you do when you're not kind of buzzing about all the exciting work stuff you're doing what do you do to relax 
Um, it's a good question. Uh, I do have a family, um, so I do, I do go home and see them. Um, and in fact, um, like weekends are so precious to me. Um, I've got two daughters, as I mentioned. Um, Pre-COVID, um, they were and still want to be massive sports um, enthusiasts. So most of my Saturdays are spent standing on the touchline in a very thick coat and a hat, grasping onto a hot chocolate or a coffee, watching one or other or both daughters running up and down a field, um, playing sports. And I love it because it gives me that opportunity both to see them in action and also just to connect with you know, a world that's nothing to do with this industry. Um, is you know, mums and dads at school gates um, on, on sports pitches. I love, I love being around people and, and um, hearing you know, what's going on in other people's worlds. So that's something that I love doing. Um, I'm also super lucky I've got a dog. So um, I go on dog walks with friends. I also go on dog walks by myself because um, actually just having an hour to yourself is, is yeah. so, so rewarding. Um, and sometimes I listen to podcasts. So I listen to, I think a bit like you, Maya, sometimes I listen to something like Desert Island Discs. Um, I listen to the high low. I listen to things like the bottom line. I'm a bit boring like that. I love hearing other um, business leaders talking about sort of gnarly issues that are going on. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of um, comedy. So um, the Radio 4 comedy series that they do, I love all of those. Um, I think I've said to you in the past, I, I do like um, long sort of seasons of programs although sometimes I feel like I never get to the end of them um, and so more recently I've actually been watching films because I can do them in two hours and there's a start and middle and an end and it concludes um, whereas sometimes I just feel like I'll never get to the end of a, of a series on Netflix um, yeah. which I can find frustrating because if you've only got an hour in the evening um, it's nice to dip in and out of things but sometimes I do need a story to finish. <laughs> Speaking of which, we must draw our conversation to an end. It's lovely to chat to you. Always good to catch up. I'm so glad you're kind of happy and thriving and uh, really excited to see what you do at the PRCA, Rachel. So, um, Thank you, Maya. And always good to chat to you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It's an absolute pleasure. And take care of yourself. And thanks very much for coming on. Thank you. You've been listening to the Provoke podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.